welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to episode 237 of the podcast. You guys are loving Jessica Lamb's interview from Tuesday. I'm so glad that you are sharing it and loving it. She is so wise. I learned so much from just hearing about her motherhood journey in general, but I know that you also look to her for advice, for answers, for dialogue. On her Instagram, Skip to Find Luca, she addresses so many questions that many people face every day, whether you have children with special needs or typical children. Really, all kids have some form of special needs. They all have their own individual needs because they're all made uniquely. And so all of these questions that we are going to talk about today can relate to you. Jessica is so sweet that she's coming on. I'm going to ask her a handful of questions that she or I have received from you, and she is going to address them. So enjoy this little Q&A with Skip to My Luca's Jessica Lamb. Hey, Jessica. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me again. I'm so excited. I just feel lucky I get to talk to you twice in two weeks. This is super fun. It's the best. (laughs) It is. It is. Well, everyone is loving your episode from Tuesday. They just are so fascinated and inspired by your motherhood journey. And now we're going to dig a little deeper into your background knowledge of being a teacher as well as your parenting experience because you, like I, feel very strongly about positive parenting and parenting with love but firmness and boundaries, just helping our kids to thrive, though. So discipline shouldn't be a negative thing, right? Right, not at all. I don't even love, like I always say, this isn't about discipline or punishment. It's about teaching. Yes. Everything that we do with our kids is about teaching them how to do things better or how to do things the way we expect because they're not born knowing what we know. So our job is to teach them. Exactly. And I think sometimes parents who are not trying to be really thoughtful in their parenting just assume they should already know this. And, you know, my son who was two was bolting from me all the time. He was always running from me. And I did an episode on this and I'll link to it in the show notes. But I couldn't figure out how to get him to stop running from me. And then it occurred to me and through the help of Ralphie that he just didn't know any better. I hadn't taught him what to do in a library. I hadn't taught him that we sit in a cart. We don't stand in a cart. And I just assumed, sit down, sit down, sit down. And once I did the instruction part of it and the teaching part of it and reteaching, my life looks a lot different in the library now, Jessica. (laughs) Right. Yes. That is so true. And you know what? Our kids are not trying to make us suffer. No, they're They're not. They're not, like, out to get us. They just don't know. They just don't know any difference. Yeah, and even when we're super frustrated by those behaviors, when we know they're not trying to make us miserable or ruin our lives, we can just have a little bit more patience and perspective as we approach that teaching, even if we're not totally sure what to do all the time. 
Right. Yep. Absolutely. So I know you get a lot of questions on your Instagram. Skip to my Luca. You are so amazing at educating parents, both in the special needs community specifically, but also I have learned so much from you because I believe all children have unique needs that we're just trying to meet. Um, and so this is really for all parents, but we will speak to a few um, questions specific to special needs. So we just get to pick your brain today. This is going to be fun. Yes, awesome. I'm so excited. Okay, so first we're going to go over a question that you did address previously on your Instagram, but for people that may not have seen it or want a reminder or we're going to go a little bit more in depth. We've all had that situation when we're out in public with our kids and they notice someone with a visible difference. Or maybe they notice that another child is acting differently than they would expect. That may result in staring or they may ask a question that we don't know how to respond to and that's uncomfortable or insensitive. Help that mom listening who wants to learn how to handle that type of situation or that wants to educate their children on the right kinds of questions to ask in that situation. And then for the mom listening who has a child with a disability, what is their role in this scenario? Yes, this is so important to me and so close to my heart, so I'm so happy to talk about this. Um, The first thing to know is that kids are naturally curious and they're naturally going to stare, but staring doesn't equate disrespect. It just means that a child looking at this from an inquisitive point of view trying to kind of figure it out. Like that doesn't that looks a little bit different to me, so I'm gonna keep watching this person to see if I can figure out what's going on. So staring, even though we kind of think like, oh you shouldn't stare because we know that it's not great manners, kids don't know that yet, but they're also not doing it to be rude. Mm. So um one thing that's really awkward for parents of kids with disabilities is actually when parents say, like, don't stare, stop staring, mm-hmm. um, because that sort of creates this um, idea that our child with a disability is kind of like a taboo topic, that we don't want to look at them too long, or we don't want to um, bring it up because it's taboo. And this is just something that's been ingrained in our lives for a long time, which I don't think comes from a negative. It comes from not wanting to say something offensive. So we kind of try to shut it down. But I think now parents of kids with disabilities want their kids to be seen. They want them to be acknowledged and accepted. It's not taboo. So we can talk about it and we can educate. So um, if a child is staring it's okay to say, hey, I saw that you were were noticing that little girl over there. Um, She maybe looks a little bit different to you. Do you have questions about that? And you could try to address the questions with your child, or even better, you could encourage your child to go over to the child that they're looking at and introduce themselves, ask what the other child's name is, you know, just encourage that communication. Acknowledge that there is maybe something different, but that it doesn't have to be scary or weird and we don't have to ignore them or shut it down. Mm -hmm. Um, So that he's weird, so that's something that kids are going to say, and um, they don't mean it to be cruel, but I do think it's important to say that that is not a nice thing to say. Um, Just, you know, to say, oh... Saying somebody is weird is kind of like calling a name, and we don't call names in our house. But you're right, that child does look a little bit different. He is in a wheelchair, and you don't use a wheelchair. But we all have things that are different about us. And also within that, I like to try to point out the commonalities between the kids. So if your child does say, like, oh, he's weird, he's in a wheelchair, 
this requires you to think on your toes, but being able to say like, well, yeah, he has a wheelchair and that's a little bit different, but he looks like he's the same age as you. Maybe you're both in kindergarten. We could talk about kindergarten together or oh, I noticed that he is wearing a Ninja Turtles shirt. You love Ninja Turtles. Let's go ask him about his shirt. So acknowledging the differences, but also pointing out that there are way more commonalities than there are differences between the kids. I love that. And I do try that approach. And usually it works so well. And even if the child is nonverbal, you kind of acting as that mediating voice between, you know, even if they don't respond with their name, saying, well, this is Jackson. Do you like to play in the sand? Do you want to play together? Here's a shovel, you know, and kind of facilitating that discussion, right? Yes, absolutely. It's mm-hmm. so important. Um, you know, I don't think people are super picky about this because I think as parents with dis- of kids with disabilities, we just love that somebody's even taking yeah. the time to talk to us or our kids. But if you think about it, it's best to try to address the child. Mm-hmm. even if you don't know for sure that you're going to get a response from them, but saying hi and what's your name. And if they're not answering, the chances are the parent will answer for them, just like you said, and kind mm-hmm. of help facilitate that. But um, something that I always say in my classroom and with, with Luca in particular is that we really just want you to assume competence. We just want okay. you to go in assuming that they know everything, that they understand what you're saying, instead of assuming the opposite, instead of, oh, he's in a wheelchair, so he probably can't talk to me, or he probably won't know what we're saying. Just going in, assuming that they can, and then seeing where that takes you. Right. And even if they can't communicate using the same language that you might or that your child might, cognitively, a lot of times they're understanding everything, and they're feeling those emotions of feeling included and feeling seen and special that is what, that's the goal. Not necessarily just getting the name out of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, when I talked about this on my Instagram, I, it was so crazy. I talked about it. And then later that day, we went to the park with Luca. Mm. And there was another mom there who I've never seen there before. We go to the same park all the time. So it just felt like fate to me that this mom was there. And she had a daughter um, who was younger than Luca, but close in age. And she, right off the bat, saw Luca charging in in his walker. Like, she saw it. And um, I saw this mom just do everything perfectly. She said to her daughter, oh, do you see that boy? He has a walker. That helps him to walk. You should go introduce yourself. And she just kind of guided her daughter through the process of going and saying hi to Luca. And um, then they went to swing together, which was so cute. Um, my husband put Taylor on the swing, and then this dog, this little, this woman's daughter wanted to go swing next to him and they were swinging together just in <laughs> heaven Luca was so happy to have a little buddy and at that point the mom took that time to ask me some questions about Luca which I thought was so kind and so appropriate um she never asked me what his disability was which would have been fine but mm-hmm. she said oh I see he's doing this like flapping and he's doing this certain sound does that mean he's happy like is he happy that my daughter's playing with him and she was just so kind and inquisitive and such a good role model for her daughter it was just really uplifting to see that I'm like did you watch my Instagram today (laughs) but she did it it just came naturally to her it was really cool so that's amazing we just love that Okay, the next question that both of us have gotten quite a lot is, my child hits. They're hitting, and so this could apply to different ages. Maybe we can address it at, like, toddler level, which is more developmentally appropriate, but still not 
you know, something that we want. Um, but then what if they're getting older and still being more physical? So what do we do for the hitting issue? Right. So this, you're right, this can come across a variety of ages. Um, this is when I always encourage people to try to have just a really basic understanding and knowledge of child development um, because you don't want to panic when your two-year-old child is hitting and thinking like, oh my gosh, I must be doing something wrong because my two-year-old's hitting. So that's not the case. It's totally developmentally appropriate. It's just something that happens, and it's our job to guide them through that and teach them in different ways. <laughs> and it's also important to know that kids across all different ages will go through hitting or physical aggression stages, but they represent different things. So... If we're looking at a two-year-old who's doing a lot of hitting, there's, I wouldn't even call that aggression because what they're really doing is trying to communicate with you, but they probably just don't have the communication skills to do it appropriately. So they're using hitting as their way of communicating or expressing their frustration. So our job then is to figure out what are they trying to communicate to us and how can we get them to do that better. So let's say you're at home, they're playing with an older sibling, and the older siblings are playing together and maybe playing with a toy that they want. And so let's say this child is three years old, and so as a way of getting that toy back, they hit their older sibling. What what should play out? Great, great um, example. So first thing is it's still appropriate to set the limits of hitting. Okay. So even though we know that they're not hitting – you know, to hit, to be rude, but we still want to say, um, we keep our hands to ourselves. I'm not going to let you hit your brother. So we do this with Poppy. Um, my daughter, who's 18 months, she does this a lot with Luca. So what we do is just kind of hold her hands in a gentle but firm way to set the limit and say, Poppy, um, I'm not going to let you hit Luca. It looks like you want this toy and try to help her communicate like you could say to Luca please or you could um tap him or we like try to help her do soft hands to Luca so just kind of modeling and help demonstrating to them ways that are more appropriate to communicate what they want um and you have to go with their language skills and their abilities so it's poppy right now we're working on saying please so you could say to Luca please but I won't let you hit him so kind of studying that limit is okay and important because kids need a strong leader who's going to set a limit but with staying calm during that time if that makes sense yes absolutely and does it look different once they get older let's say it's an eight-year-old who then is pushing you know maybe they're playing soccer and it's getting really competitive and they're frustrated and so they just shove a kid then what yes and so in those situations i think older kids it's more they should know at that point, like they have more communication skills. Um, so you want to look at, is this a problem with anger and frustration that we need to work on like some coping skills with our child? Like, do we need to talk about, um, you can feel angry and it's okay to feel angry, but it's not okay to shove other people when you feel angry. So here are some things you could do instead to calm down. Um, and prevent that. So that could be one piece that you might want to look at is, are they getting because they're frustrated and mad and they don't know how to cope with it? Or 
Um, the other end of that could be, do they just need to work like on some social skills with kids? Because even at that age, kids could be wanting attention from another child or wanting to interact with them, but they don't really have that skill yet. And even at eight, that could, that is a possibility. Mm -hmm. So I think the why behind it is really important in figuring out what is our child trying to communicate. But then also with an eight-year-old, a consequence would be appropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm always talking about like natural consequences are the best. And within that scenario, you'll probably see an actual consequence play out. If an eight-year-old shoves another eight-year-old, maybe that eight-year-old's going to shove them back, or maybe mm-hmm. they're going to say, "Don't do that. I don't. I don't want to play with you because you shoved me." And even though that's hard as parents for us to see play out, that's a natural consequence, right? You push someone, and they don't want to hang out with you anymore. Mm-hmm. So you can talk about that with your child, like, "Hey, I saw you pushed your buddy at recess today, and that." made him mad and not want to play with you do you see that if you shove people that makes it hard for them to want to play with you at recess and kind of talking that through mm-hmm. and that's a great natural consequence if a natural consequence isn't available we look for um logical consequences so if something didn't happen naturally then you might say hey bud like i saw you shove your friend um in our family we keep our hands to ourselves so you might need to sit out for a minute and take a little break until you can calm down, and then you can go back and play when you're feeling calm. So it's kind of like a timeout, but I don't like timeouts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I use it like a calm down or a quiet time. But it still is a consequence for kids because it removes them from the activity, so it's kind of like a missing out kind of situation. Yes. Oh, yes. So older kids, I think consequences are great. Natural consequences are always best. But you don't just want to dole out consequences without talking about it, too. Mm-hmm. So both of those examples of consequences, you would talk with them. Talk it through. This is why we're doing this. This is what you did that wasn't okay. And this is what you could do next time to do better. Okay, yeah. So that leads me into my next question. Timeouts. Do they work? How can you use them effectively? Or what can you replace them with? I was thinking in that example with the toddler, that might be a time where many parents would jump in and assign a timeout as the consequence. Is that an effective thing for them to learn from their mistake? Or is it just shaming them? Right. So timeouts are, they're just kind of a temporary solution to a real problem. Mm -hmm. So they're, you're taking them out in the moment, but there's a few things about timeout that I don't like. The first thing about it is that it can look shaming. Um, I say that because a lot of parents do timeout as like sit with sit in the corner with your face against the wall or um, go sit on this chair that's like a special timeout chair. And other kids are seeing that, are seeing the child go to timeout, and it really is a little bit of a shaming type of punishment, especially when that's the way that it's used. Um, I also think that a lot of times people use timeout as just that's the punishment or that's the consequence. They're not communicating. So the child goes to timeout, sits for three minutes. Okay, your three minutes is up. You can come back. Right. But they never talked about um, you were in timeout because you hit your friend and we don't hit in our family. We use soft hands. We're kind. We share. What do you think you could do to, A, um, make it right with the person that you hit? How could you make them feel better? Do you think we should give them a hug? Should we go share our toys with them? What could we do to make them feel better? And also next time, what could you do differently? And even little kids are 
you hit, let's go give a hug. Um, or let's go give the toy back, you know, just something brief. But that's the thing about timeout is that we're just not using it appropriately oftentimes. I believe that timeout is a great thing to use, but I like to call it taking a break or, like, um, using a quiet spot or a quiet area in the home. So saying, oh, man, you hit your brother. Let's go take a break in the quiet spot. Um, it mm. seems like you need to calm down. So using it as like, you're emotional right now, you're upset, you're escalated, you need to calm down before you can come back and do better. Go, let's calm down. Like, let's take a break. Um, that way, it's less of a punishment. It encourages more of that self-regulation piece. And it allows an opportunity for the parents and the child to communicate about what the expectations are and what should be done next time. And it's not shaming, which I think is a really huge, huge piece of that. Oh, I do too. That is so, so right on. Because if you are trying to to teach in the heat of the emotions and in the context of that moment, very little teaching will actually sink in, right? And so time away or taking a break or having the quiet time, whatever you want to call it, it's amazing how changing the language can change the sentiment. Um, but helping your child to realize, I am helping you to cope in this moment. You're having a hard time. I see that. Let's take a little bit of time and space to calm and then we can revisit it. Because when you're able to revisit, you know, a repeated behavior that you see happening that you want to to teach and talk through with your child or something that you're working on, you know, that you know might be coming up in the future, whatever it is, teaching should happen out of the context of the high emotional state, right? Absolutely. And I think a lot of times parents also are thinking of time out for themselves too because yes. they're frustrated and they're escalated. They're so embarrassed and upset that their child hit someone else. And so they also are like, go to time out just because they need that break. Mm-hmm. But um, something really interesting that there's an amazing parenting expert named Janet Lansbury. Mm-hmm. Um, something that she always says that really resonates with me is that if you're feeling upset and you're feeling reactive then you didn't set the limit fast enough you didn't didn't set a limit early enough so if you waited until the point that you were frustrated and mad with your child then that means you probably should have acted sooner and I always think about that like she's right because what could have happened is in that example scenario we could have seen this starting to escalate, right? Like we saw mm-hmm. a kid take the toy from our child or we saw our child going over and starting to get escalated and using maybe unkind words or trying to grab the toy. Maybe there was like a little tug of war. And we kind of watched this all play out and we waited too long to set the limit with mm-hmm. our child and then we got frustrated. So we need to check our own emotions too, but a timeout for our child isn't the way for us to check our own emotions. We need to be in control of ourselves first. So, so good. And I think we this can be a positive technique for ourselves as adults too when we are escalating, right? If, removing ourselves yes. from the situation, taking that time away instead of unleashing in the height of our emotions, taking some time, taking a space. Your kids will be fine for three minutes. If you just go to your room, deep breathing, wash your face, yes. whatever you need to do, eat a chocolate, whatever, and then come back ready to respond in love. You can still have some correction to or some teaching to do, but lead with love. And you can't do that when you're yeah. starting to spin out of control. And our kids can't do that either. 
Exactly. And if we want to be good role models for our children, we have to we have to act it for them. So if we're always acting in the heat of the moment and getting angry, how can we expect them to do better than we do, right? So I think yeah. it's a great it's a great example for your kids to say to them even, I'm feeling frustrated right now. I'm going to go to my room for just a minute and I'll see you guys in a minute. Or, you know, <laughs> letting them yeah. even know that you're taking a break because then they can see like, okay, mom needs to take a break, you know, and that's okay. If we get frustrated, we can take a break too. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so as we take in all this parenting information, sometimes it can be really overwhelming and feel like too much. And so we are going to have this be the end for this episode of Q&A, but I'm going to have you back on to answer even more questions um, next month. How's that sound? Sounds awesome. Amazing. You're just so wonderful. Thank you, Thank you so Jessica. Much. <laughs> I hope you got as much out of that Q&A episode as I did. There's just so much food for thought there. I love her perspective on parenting and really seeing how positive parenting and the same types of principles can apply, whether we have typical children or children with special needs or other disabilities. There's just so much we can learn from each other and her wisdom is just invaluable. So she's going to come back on in July and share even more tips and answer your questions because I get so much out of this and I'm hearing from you that you are too. So We can't wait to have Jessica back in July, so you can look forward to that. Next week, we have one of what I think is the most powerful episodes to date. My guest is Michelle Cayley. Michelle is an extraordinary mom of four, a dance teacher. She owns her own dance studio. She is a vibrant redhead, and she loves life. Two years ago, she was diagnosed with cancer, and as she battled bravely and courageously, she went through all the treatments and was getting some promising results, and then a few weeks ago, she received the devastating news that her time is not long left on this earth. So she spared an hour with me to share a message of hope, a message of inspiration, to share about her motherhood journey, what it's like battling cancer, and what her purpose is on this earth. She talks to her kids. She speaks to what she wants her husband to know. It is a powerful episode that will alter your perspective on life forever. It is one of the most extraordinary conversations I have ever had in my entire life. And I cannot wait to share Michelle with you. So I hope you'll subscribe and tune in. Thank you so much for sharing the show. You guys are the best, best, best. Enjoy your day and we'll see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.